0: You are listening to the Per Service Podcast, episode number sixteen. Welcome back to the Service Podcast. This is a show for classical musicians and artists who are making a living as performers. And we exist as a podcast to help bring some community and discussion to what life is really like for us. Because practicing by yourself is, well, obviously isolating. And then when you get to a gig, there's usually only a couple minutes of chit chat before the gig starts or at the break. And these short and sometimes shallow interactions with other musicians don't really last long enough to dig into our fears and insecurities and how to combat them, because we all have them. And many of us are just too busy to unpack them, or it's just not the right time and place to get into that while you're packing up your instrument after rehearsal. And our episode today is part one of two episodes about fear and anxiety. And today is mostly about the immediate anxiety or stage fright and some coping skills, including the ever-controversial beta blockers. So we thank you for spending your time with us. And we invite you to join our conversations on the show notes page at perservice.co slash 16 or on Instagram. We are at Service podcast. And if you're new to the show, our hosts are Jessica Wiersma, a violinist who is playing a lot these days with the Indianapolis Symphony. And Eluse, a violinist you'd see if you peeked into the pit of Hamilton on Broadway. Christian Marshall, a violist living and gigging in the music capital of the world, Austria. Seriously his pictures of his gigs in Vienna and Graz are worth following us on Instagram alone and me I'm Michael Giblin. I'm a violinist playing with the Fort Wayne Phil and also keeping up some connections with the recording industry in Nashville but I'm mostly focusing on orchestraexcerpts.com, which brings me to my last point. Our blog and podcast here is the creative and freelance side of orchestraexcerpts.com, which is a resource for learning audition excerpts. And if either of these endeavors have helped you, would you consider supporting our work by becoming a patron of the show? With your support, we can improve and expand our show. You can visit peruservic.co/patron or search for us on patreon.com. To pledge your financial support of the show. And you can become a supporter for as little as $1 a month. So here is the show.
1: Okay. Think about it. Just think about
0: it. Yep. Shaky knee syndrome.
1: Does anyone here get a shaky knee?
0: Shaky knee? uh yeah, yes oh, i get more shaky bow oh yeah me too shaky bow
1: shaky bow is the worst
0: i get shaky memory <laughs> i think is one of my actually my biggest problem
1: oh memory loss <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes <Just> memory loss. <laughs> nervous
1: you have periodic mm-hmm. memory loss
0: yeah, it's like very specific, poignant uh, memory loss. It, mostly when I'm playing solo Bach and it's like, what's this next chord? I can't remember. Oh my gosh.
1: Crash. I totally have crashed and burned in solo Bach.
2: Yeah. Question though, so, oh. so, okay. because that happened to me recently. I was playing it like a week or two ago and then uh, I had a memory slip and then. Afterwards, the person I was playing for was like, in every piece of Bach I play, I write out the harmonic pattern. So I always have like, I'm going along with now I'm in E and now I'm in A and then I'm surprised I'm in D minor, like blah, blah, blah.
1: Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it
2: does. And I I wonder if that's because we're relying too strongly on one aspect. Just we're always trying to listen for a melody rather than, you know, listening to the harmonic pattern or we're thinking about a rhythm or something. And it's like, oh, well, we're not understanding the whole concept or the Mm -hmm. whole structure of the
0: piece.
1: hmm That's 100% my problem. I know it is.
0: Uh, same here. I think it's so much like while I'm practicing, I'm not really thinking about every single note. I'm sort of thinking maybe about the measure or, you know, and, and maybe sometimes I have room to think about the harmonic progression, but then when I get in performance, I'm thinking note to note to note to note. And when I think that when I'm that focused or like, cause that's what happens. I think when I get nervous is I, you know, it's this like super Pressure and super concentration—that all of a sudden I'm thinking about every single note, and I—I I lose that bigger picture, and then the next note is not where it needs to be.
3: I, I've done that before as well, and I think there's something about mess, messing up your muscle memory when you question yourself too much. You just don't let yourself mm-hmm. do what you've been practicing. But also, yeah. I think there might be something to—I've done this especially for auditions because I notice when I get on there on that stage. You know, even if I'm using the music for the excerpts, it's like, wait a minute, what do I usually do here? Have I done this before? Yeah. Do I yeah. know yeah, what fingering right i Reality. <laughs> you totally mess up. I mean, you can't not mess up when you're thinking like that. And so I've been trying to, over the past, I don't know, two years practice how I'm yeah. trying to play it, like being very aware in my practice, how I'm playing every note, every fingering, every bowing what part of the bow I'm in. So when I'm on stage in that moment, if I start thinking like that, I actually have answers for it as opposed to,
1: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Really intentional uh, memorization. Also, Michael, you're saying you, pra- you know, you practice with uh zoomed out perspective yeah, and you totally zoom in, in the audition, cause, uh-huh. right? Cause you just like, focus minutely on each and like I, I always start looking at a weird part of my fingerboard or something uh-huh. and like I've never seen that before <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: what's that
1: doing here <laughs> this looks <laughs> so <laughs> uncharted territory
2: this is not my instrument yeah. in what happened <laughs> I know
0: it's where's really, my instrument
2: what have you here? done with it it's really
0: sort of like disorienting when you do that and you're like, wait, what am I doing? What am I like? Why am I looking at that?
2: But I'm the exact opposite. Like, I feel like I practice with a real zoomed in perspective. And then when it gets time to Mm -hmm. perform... I zoom out or, or like things go by so quickly. And I'm like, can't slow down. <laughs> oh, my, no. my going by, uh, you know, and then it's like, was, no, it's just whooshing by. And then it's done. And then I breathe and I'm like, <laughs> well, that was fast.
3: <laughs> like,
1: Uh-oh. Uh oh. You know, yeah. when it, when it's over, do you have yeah. a
0: hard time recalling what happened?
3: <laughs> Did you black out? Yeah.
0: That's what ha- I think happens to me. Oh,
3: I'm, I'm blacked out. Like the oh, second I walk off that stage, really? I just, I well it's not true if I totally bomb something I usually can remember that if I like miss a shift or you know what I mean but it's something that has to be like really big like that otherwise my general feeling about the audition I'm usually like oh that was pretty good or Mm -hmm. that didn't work out very well and then I'm usually surprised by advancing or not advancing (laughs) Yeah, And then when I try to think about like, Hey, I wonder why I didn't advance. I have no recollection of what happened on that stage. It's a complete blackout time for me.
2: Well, I was playing for someone a couple weeks ago and they brought up this interesting point of one skill that's very good for a performer to work on is to actively assess whether or not the, the audience is listening to you. Like listen to yourself in a way and be like, am I playing in an engaging way? Like, am I taking too much time or playing too predictable? Mm-hmm. Like, Am I going to play in a way that encourages or enables the audience to zone out? And that's so good. If you really think, you know, keep it moving, keep the phrase going somewhere, create tension, but not too much. Like, so you lose people's attention and I'm not good at it, but it was one of those moments kind of like a little revelation, like, ah, don't forget that when I'm in an audition or when I'm playing a performance, step back and and think, you know, purposely catch the audience's attention be aware of you're playing for them and I don't want to say like even look at faces but be aware that you're not only playing for yourself
3: sometimes when I'm practicing excerpts I get so focused on the technicality of it that there have been times that I'm like I am bored with myself that cannot be a good sign for what the panel is going to be thinking if I'm like I've zoned out because I'm bored by my own playing (laughs) so i usually try to take that as a cue to like hey don't forget this is music (laughs) that's really
0: that's really an interesting point because i feel like listening to really amazing performers i really have come to recognize that they're excellent communicators that they are like actually you know saying something through the music whereas when you hear students it just sounds like they're just kind of playing through the notes and so it's really hard i think it's just a really sign of an excellent performer when they can engage the audience by what they're performing. And it's not just uh, the next note, the next note and the next note.
3: Well, first of all, I would agree with you that the great performers, the successful performers definitely have a very detailed plan for what they're doing. Do you think that helps combat anxiety for them? Or, you know, as a performer, you know, yourself, when you have a plan, whether it's a solo performance or an orchestral audition or an audition for something else, do you find that you feel less anxious when you have a very detailed plan about how you're going to play everything that you?
2: Yes, have to do? yes, and and I think it's because I've been thinking recently about anxiety as as something tangible, and I think if you can create less and less space for anxiety to creep in, like the more detailed map or plan you can have, the more solid work you put into performing where you're completely focused and active and always have something to think about, the less room you give anxiety to creep in, the less mental space you give for like, oh, I just missed that. Well, that's a distraction. That's not being focused. If you miss something, don't think I just missed it. Think, well, what measure am I in and what was the vibrato I was planning on doing or what part of the bow did I want to be in or what color did I want to have? You know, anxiety It's a thing. Yes, it's maybe to some extent uncontrollable and unpredictable when it comes. But if you really have something you can always be telling yourself to do and telling yourself to focus on, I think that basically just distracts your brain. You're saying like, I don't have time for this. You know, ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs)
0: Ain't nobody got time for that. Oh, that's I think that's really true is because I think when I look back, at various auditions that have gone well or ones that have gone poorly, there is a really strong correlation between how prepared I was or how prepared I even just felt I was and how much nervousness I had. And I guess I'll break it down is that the auditions where I knew I wasn't ready, I had way more nerves at that audition than ones where I knew I had really done a lot of work and I felt really good about all the excerpts I had to play and my concerto, etc., that some of those auditions have gone really well and I didn't feel the effects of nerves or the nervousness didn't derail me in an audition. And I, that's, I I think that's a really good analogy of just sort of thinking of it as nervousness sort of fills in the gap of how much preparation you've done. For some
1: of us though, you know, I, I personally have struggled with performance anxiety in, in an audition setting, It got to a point where in just a a regular recital or performance, I had issues too. I've had a long uh, struggle with this stuff. And it's funny because I started out with no anxiety at all. So I honestly don't know where it crept in. I, I think a lot of us have talked about how when the stakes are higher, the anxiety ramps up. So maybe it was just a process of that, the end of undergrad into grad school. But I just think you know, sometimes you can do everything that you think you need to do and be as prepared as you want and the anxiety still takes over. And then it's definitely in the brain, the brain space, not allowing space as you prepare for anxiety, but then also Mm -hmm. like in the week, usually leading up to it, I get like, Mm -hmm. "Ah, ah," and you just have to really swat it down and use it to your advantage. Like if you get all ramped up a week before the audition practice then, because it's a good Mm -hmm. test of your physiological response
0: yeah actually yeah. that's something real quick i want to throw in there is that not all stress is bad there is sort of what like you're talking about anna is there is sort of this it's i think it's called you stress as opposed to distress as the other oh, negative there's i didn't yeah, know that you stress is sort of this positive challenging you know situation maybe a week before where you're getting kind of nervous ahead of time and sometimes that can spur you on to practice harder and take all these other measures and really put yourself through more stress tests before the actual audition sometimes. And I think that's really just hard to gauge is when does the good stress start to cross over into distress where you just, it's sort of that fight or flight idea that there is sort of that, that I think in an audition, I don't know if you can harness that good stress to help you perform. And I think really good auditioners can really manage that. And the stress bumps their performance and so that they perform better than they do. But that's really kind of rare that I think most people, the stress gets too much and it just causes you to want to shut down and run away.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. So besides, you know, doing all of the preparation that you can and understanding there's still elements of anxiety a nervousness that we can't really control what are ways that we can combat them for lack of a better better word. I mean beta blockers exercise like what are things that you guys do what do you suggest what are we thinking
0: oh man we're we're going we're going for the big the, the big, big the big the talk big right here. this is it's very controversial uh, I feel like this was like one of the big topics so we're like what are we gonna talk about on a podcast I don't know beta blockers. yeah so it's like uh, I'm excited hey it's Michael and I'm gonna interrupt here just for a second before we start our conversation about beta blockers I just want to make it perfectly clear that we are not medical professionals And if pursuing beta blockers is something that you're curious about, please consult with your doctor first. We're dedicated to having authentic and transparent conversations about our experiences with beta blockers, but we're not advocating that you should ever just try someone else's prescription to see what it's like, or also to share your own prescription. So please talk to your doctor first. Thanks.
3: It's actually, it's really funny. That's one of the first questions when I talk to other musicians You know, if we start talking about auditions or something, one of the first things that somebody always asks is, so do you use, do you, you, okay, let me, (laughs) apparently I should be using a beta blocker right now because I'm getting nervous (laughs) and can't speak. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the first things somebody always asks is, do you use beta
0: blockers? Do you, well, well, let's answer Do you, have you guys ever?
3: Oh yeah, I have.
1: Yep. Here's, Here's the thing. thing. I think, um, you know, in talking about what you can do to prepare, when I went through a really bad uh-huh. spell and was just like not loving music or performance and most of the things I was performing were, you know, auditions either for orchestra or grad school. And I like had a, a little bit of a breaking point at that point in my life. And I tried literally everything before I tried a beta blocker just because uh-huh. I... I you know I know the stereotype about them and I feel like 10 years ago it was way more of a stigma surrounding beta blocker right now I think everyone's like you got to do you man sure you know and I Mm -hmm. did believe that there was something wrong with me and my thought process and that was the reason why I was still nervous like there was something wrong with me there's something wrong with my preparation style or my brain or whatever and I learned through all of that and I can list everything that I've tried and give you ratings on them (laughs) but (laughs) but but at, at the end, it was like, I love music. I felt like my brain was in a good space. But when I walked on the stage, I could not control my heart rate. It was no longer worth it to me to play the violin yeah. if that was going to be my response in an audition setting. Now, for performances, it's different, I think. There have been a few big performances that I've taken like a quarter of a beta blocker for just to take the edge off mm-hmm. of the heart rate problem. But... The way my teacher in undergrad, he he said when I started to have issues, he was like, I think... And he said he did this as well. He was Uh like, I would take them and then you try to simulate that experience later. Having to rely on them, I think, is dangerous. You mean like
0: you... Try to simulate that really stressful environment.
1: Yeah, you could do that. I think that's one version. But I think he was saying, take a beta blocker before a huge performance, at like concerto or whatever, which I didn't do, which I was glad for. It was a great experience. And my anxiety ramped up after that. But uh-huh. he, he was saying, take it, have the performance experience, know what it's like to be cool as a cucumber on stage. Which if anyone's taken beta uh-huh. blockers, you know that sometimes you do black out afterwards. You're like, I have yeah. no idea what happened. Also, I felt like I was going twice as slow i remember one time in a big quartet performance i was first violin and i took one and or like half of one even i was like did i play everything half speed oh no (laughs) because it it does it does affect your heart rate that much right so it could affect your internal impulse or your internal pulse impulse (laughs) (laughs) right but but he was saying recreate that calm effect as best as you can once you understand what it's like because mm. your brain is smart and your your body reacts to your brain's knowledge of past experience yeah. right so in theory it's a great plan it may not work for everybody
0: that's interesting I, I, I guess I didn't quite follow you right away is that you want to recreate the calm experience after you've after you've experienced mm-hmm. that kind of in hopes that then you can. Yeah continue recreating that without, without the beta blocker?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, hmm. that's the idea.
0: That's interesting.
1: And it might only be for people who have extreme anxiety, like I was experiencing during that period. And do you, you know?
0: cause you don't experience the same level of anxiety in like an orchestra concert or a quartet performance is it mostly we're just talking basically about auditions yep
1: unnatural settings is what i like to refer to them as because an audition first of all you're not <laughs> even playing the music yeah. the orchestral music like you would in an orchestra setting right so that's a problem yeah and for school auditions you know you're literally being judged by a panel of people looking at you and critiquing your every move that is very anxiety inducing yeah
0: And also, and like switching between composers and, you know, genres and in like 30 seconds, you got to play Mozart and then you got to play Brahms and you got to play Strauss, like back to back to back. And it's just like, when, when would you ever have to do that in real life? Yeah. Man. Christian, I'm curious, what was your experience with beta blockers?
2: I think the first time I ever saw someone perform with them, uh, was at a festival and this girl had, was just like, yeah, I just went to the pharmacy and like asked if I could have some. So she got some. I don't think it's that easy. That was not, an,
0: well,
3: that was not in that she's going to. That's not
1: possible
2: here. She in, in Mexico. She, <laughs> no, no, she was American, but anyway, she got them. And like she like said the same thing like Anna said, like I took a quarter of one and I felt great. Like it was fine. I think it was even later that year or the next year I was talking to this other violist. Actually, you guys know her, Christina Wong. And she had mentioned something. She was like, oh, Oh, I know some friends that take beta blockers. And then she was like, but I'm worried. What about that little nervous edge that keeps you aware, you know, keeps you like rapid fire Mm -hmm. aware. And so like that was interesting for me. And up until that point, I had never, have never tried them. And then there was something that I was like really nervous about. And so I had borrowed one or like gotten a couple from a friend and tried it and I, and of course, I liked it. I was like, great. Like, you know, absolutely no anxiety at all or no shaking. It sounds just so like fine much like
3: drug deals right now. Yeah. I got some and, from uh, a friend and I tried it <laughs> and I liked it. First free.
2: <laughs> then I also teach at a university. And like, so this lecture that I had to give, I always lecture two days in a row, eight hours a day. Like so, this, like, you know, like block scheduling. And um, I was really nervous this one time. And I was like, well, I'm just going to take again, like a quarter of one just so I, you know, can... Not, you know, be short of breath the entire time, the first couple hours. I made my introduction and I was fine. And then I realized because I was so calm and slow, I couldn't react as quickly to the questions as I was able to the last couple of years, I was not able to slip in my funny jokes or bring in these things. And they would be like, oh, how do you say that word in English? I'd be like, nah, nah, nah. and then I would say it. <laughs> I'm not getting Everything slows down, uh-huh. not just a heartbeat, like your reaction. It is a chemically altered physical state. Wow. And, you know, different things yeah. come with that, you know, for different people. And for me, I'm just a little bit slower mentally. And... That's not so great in a a performance, maybe where you want to be like, you know, Hmm. really not on edge in the negative way, but just fully aware. Like, what if someone takes some time somewhere? You need to be, you know, mentally present and not just like Mm -hmm. calm and like, I got this. It's fine.
1: (laughs) Well, and you don't want to be drugged. Yeah. I mean, that is the controversy, right? But I think that's the line between people who have, if you have a little bit of anxiety going in, but you're still able to perform and walk away and be like, good job then you probably don't need them. Uh If you're the person that walks on stage like I was and you're shaking uncontrollably and all you want to do is barf or run away in in a very unhealthy way, I think there's a line. You know, there's like a spectrum. Everybody Uh falls in a certain place in their anxiety. And I think when it is a physiological takeover then you have like beta blockers could be good for you and they really helped me be able to be a performer again honestly but there's a whole science behind how they metabolize in your body a lot of people find that if you take one an hour and a half later you're you might be doing fine cuz then like that initial my numbingness has left or for me if i take a quarter of one i put it under my tongue 15 minutes before i go on stage it's just like just heart rate it doesn't have time to really get in my system so my brain is slow huh so there's a, I mean, like I've talked to, I have like probably two friends that do this consistently and have really tested it out.
0: That's what I feel like is tricky is that you sort of have to work on your dosage or the amount of time. And did you have the same level of stressful little environment? I feel like it takes a little while to know how it affects you right? and also how to recreate all the same conditions every time. Right. And like, what if you play a first round and then you advance and then, you know, the second round is two hours later, has your did it wear off or, and you have to take another dose? or yep. It's it's a little tricky, but if that's what's really holding you back, then it's a, it's a real solution. And it's a very common solution. Right. I think that a lo- it's becoming much more acceptable and much more common, especially as auditions are getting more and more competitive. And the number of openings are, I think, less frequent than they used to be. So the stakes are pretty high.
3: One of my favorite experiences with A beta blocker was, I was backstage before my first concert with this professional orchestra. One of the, (laughs) it was just amazing. This, this percussionist was super nervous. You could tell, like, he was just, I was concerned (laughs) for his safety and well-being. I don't know, the orchestra is going through changes. It was a new music director. I think he was nervous for his tenure or something. I don't know, but he's back there. He's like, hey, you want beta blocker? He just like, (laughs) like, I was like... No, I'm fine. He's like, are you sure you don't want one? You don't want one.
1: Like, um,
3: thank you, sir. Right. Bye. It was just so funny. It was like <laughs>
1: he needed to take one. Yeah. It was.
3: Well, he did. He, so he like took them out, and then he's like, felt, I think it was kind of like one of those things where you're, like you start eating a snack, and you're like, oh, does anybody else want like some of my cheez It's uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like one of those things where he was like, oh, but he was a little aggressive with it. Like when I said no, he's like, no, it's fine. Seriously, you should have one. And I'm like. No, I'm fine. Thank you. That's
0: so the uh, Mozart in the jungle where the, uh, the timpani players, like the drug dealer. Yeah, of the orchestra. It was, it was
3: very, <laughs> it was very funny. It was very funny.
1: Well, here's the thing. I think there was a lot of judgment about it. I don't think that should be a thing because you can't know the person next to you, their struggle. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think, If you do take them, you should do so wisely. Everyone wants a quick fix. That's why I think they're so popular in some circles. But it's not a quick fix. There's still a very detailed science Mm -hmm. behind it that your doctor honestly doesn't know about and isn't going to help you with, even if they give them to you. And a lot of doctors won't give them to you. Well, and I think... To go along with that, every
3: person is going to react differently. So, what works for you might not work for me. So, exactly. even if your doctor knows some about it, it doesn't matter because they don't actually know anything. Uh-huh.
1: If you have out of control anxiety, I think that you should look into it and talk to people who have dealt with this before. I don't think you should just pop them because you want to rid yourself of all stress in your life because that's it's not going to work like that. Uh-huh. You know, also, right. you can kill yourself.
0: I think that's worth noting, right? Is that you have to go see a doctor and talk to them and get a prescription. Right. There. You don't just buy them at CVS.
1: Unless you're in Germany.
0: Right. Maybe. Austria no. <laughs> and
1: surrounding European countries.
2: You go to the Ticker and say, my heart be crazy.
1: <laughs> and they're like, oh, try this.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it costs you $8. Eight <laughs> <a> euro. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's like four bucks. Eh? They're cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it's the other way. That's no, like you know,
0: it's like $12 now.
2: It's maybe like yeah. 10 bucks. It's a little higher. Anyway. Yeah. Not that I would know. Um, so, one other thing. So, we've talked about these quick fixes, but I think there are other options out there. And that's also something we should talk about. You know, there are plenty of breathing exercises. You know, breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four, and then in for five, hold for five, oh. out for five, hold for five, blah, blah, blah. Just in been been and that. back down. As, <laughs> as quite, it's quite good. Also, it's the same thing. It shocks your system. Like you're breathing, you know, like mm-hmm. it shocks the heart. So then it slows it down that works. I performed once. It was for a studio class ages ago, uh, second and third movement of Bar Talk. And the teacher wanted it. So someone would be on the, on stage performing the first movement, you know, the piano continues and I, we trade places. I basically walk on stage mm-hmm. and play second and third movement, you know, no clapping in between. And I had just read something that week about biting into a lemon slice <laughs> right before you go on stage, because that also shocks the system. Wow. And like, the adrenaline needed to salivate that quickly, uh-huh. like it's go out of your arms, out of your legs, out of your <gasps> heart. So like your whole system is trying to get back the pH levels in your <laughs> mouth <head. laughs> and I'm not. <knocking. laughs> so I did this like I literally heard wow. him playing the last like 10 measures and I was like biting into the lemon like backstage. And, uh, and then <laughs> I walked out and like played a great performance, you know, second starting with a second movement, slow bows and stuff. Not one shake like it wow. was oh. so like how's your
1: tooth that, enamel
2: uh that's why i don't do it anymore <laughs> and, <laughs> so i'm not kidding you know that's like but it was crazy but it really was worked it just just the peel or was like no no, no i took like you it? know like just, a lemon slice
3: yeah. and i cut it in half I'll so i had
2: just, like a half you know half moon <laughs> lemon or whatever that's amazing like, Wow! Bit into that it's like wow
3: <laughs> i want to try that for my next audition
2: it was, like, honestly, it's really cool. Just it a works. weirdo
1: in the corner with the lemon. If you see somebody <laughs> yeah. with a lemon. Everyone else has bananas. So I'm going for the lemon. <laughs> you're,
2: you're,
1: bananas you're. don't do crap. Am I right? Uh, I, that's I, why I think
0: also people think that they're a magic bullet that it's going to like, yeah. or silver bullet. Magic bullet is the kitchen appliance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Smoothies.
0: Yeah, right? Which is also really great. Uh, but no, they're not going to like make up. They're not going to do your practicing for you. They're not going to make you better.
3: I think well, I actually do. I control my physiological response with breathing exercises. Like I don't, I don't usually take beta blockers. Um, I have found this one, like these breathing exercises to be for me, like really great. But then they still mentally, if I can control my mental, mental I can control my mental
0: that's a TV show, isn't it? The men- Mentalist. The Mentalist. Yeah. <laughs> <No, yeah.
3: laughs> um, if I can control like my thoughts, like we were saying, where we're you know when you get on stage and you're not like, oh, is that how I usually put my second finger down? Oh man, has that scratch always been on my violin? You know, if you can control <laughs> that kind of stuff, because that's yeah. <laughs> that's really tricky sometimes. I kind of like having that edge where I'm feeling very aware and I can react to things quickly or like adjust something if I do put something. Mm-hmm. I took beta blockers once. And it was one of those things I remember feeling, who knows what actually happened, because it's hard to tell with the time because I felt kind of slow. But, you know, I put a finger down and I could tell it was out of tune. And I was like, oh, listen Mm -hmm. to that. It's a little flat. Let me see if I can move that. (laughs) And I like, but like these are the thoughts, like that thought shouldn't go through your head you just automatically adjust uh-huh. it when you hear it. So I don't yeah, know it if it should be took like five adjusting. seconds for me to change this now or if it was like, you know, five thousandths well, of a second, <laughs> second. who knows? <laughs> that's
1: the problem. Uh. That's the
3: tr- That's the tricky part, but I'm not sure. I like feeling that way yeah. um, in a situation where I literally can't control anything. Mm-hmm. So if I have figured out a way to control my physiological reactions a tiny bit and now that doesn't mean i don't get extremely nervous but like i don't have the shaky both stuff as much um as other people so i usually get dry mouth so it's a good thing i'm not a singer because i don't know what yeah. i would do if i if i had to like i don't
0: know how well, they you're a
3: really bad. good singer <laughs> well i mean like it's a good thing i'm not auditioning <laughs> for like <laughs> <the> met- well <laughs> and
1: that and that's the difference though jess because like you might get i know jess and i have been together for auditions and <laughs> talked before them and so she's like wanting to run away until she gets right until you get in the cab to or, or walk yeah. to the place and then you're like in the zone yeah whereas mine just escalates until i walk on the stage and then it culminates in one meltdown <laughs> so <laughs> so and that's exactly uh-huh. like so for someone with jess's nerve level a beta blocker is going to numb the the heck out of her. Right. Whereas for Mentally. me, I still have all of my faculties if I take a, a sliver of one. And that's exactly what you have to be aware of. Because if you're altering the way you perform and the fact that you can't adjust your notes properly, if any of that stuff is happening, then no, you shouldn't be taking them because that's really not healthy.
0: For me, I, I kind of see it as all my preparation leading up to the audition. I'm trying to get up to like 100% and say... And then, of course, I think when I get on stage, my nerves knock me down to like 80 or 75 or, you know, something like that, where I'm only playing at like 75 percent of how good it was at home. Yeah. And I think some of the worst auditions I've done is because I knew that I only put in 65 or 70 percent of what I was capable of doing. And so, of course, when that got knocked down to like 50 percent and I played terribly, it's more been um, a problem that I knew I didn't prepare well enough and I didn't put in the work. And so trying to add this other element of, you know, learning how I adjust or learning what happens to me in an audition with a beta blocker has been sort of more complicated. You know, I don't have any negative attitudes towards people that take beta blockers. For me, I just have always seen, I have had more problems with my preparation and sort of my mindset going, going into an audition than actually when I get there, because Actually, I do sort of do okay with the nerves and sort of getting a little bit of an edge and sort of being at hyper alert stage. I sort of enjoy that, and I there is a little bit of the good stress that sometimes after a good audition, I feel that like rush of after getting off a roller coaster or something where a roller coaster is stressful, but it's like this exhilarating kind of when you get out of it, you're like, oh yes, like let's do it again. And there's just like a fraction of that. I don't think I ever get out of an audition. I'm like, yeah, where's the next one? We <laughs> But there's a little, there's just a little sliver of that good stress that I get from an audition that keeps me alert and I get sort of that hyper alertness. But I found there's a lot of other things that I can do naturally to sort of help my preparation and help the and performance anxiety in an audition I found a lot of benefit from doing things like visualizations and just sort of running through what I want the audition to look like ahead of time and you can get really detailed about it and go really overboard and pretend like you're hearing your number announced and them saying this is candidate number 23 he's playing the Tchaikovsky concerto and you can begin whenever you want like I will say these things out loud uh-huh. in my practice <laughs> it's room it's cool
1: like, Michael it's cool it's cool it's a little weird um Going going
2: off something you said a couple minutes ago, how nerves n- knock you down, maybe 20, 30% or something like that. If that's the case, could confidence boost you up 20 or 30%? Because for example, I remember after I had finished my, or like played a master's recital and I was super happy. I remember going to play with a chamber orchestra for the first time. I had been really nervous leading up to it, but then this performance went so well and I was so confident or like such an... A, Happy state with myself that uh, I wound up being put on the first stand next to the principal. Principal because someone was sick, and I remember just playing even for myself surprisingly mm-hmm. confidently. Really, just you know, like full bow, blah blah blah. And I remember seeing the the first stand of cellos like look at each other and nod like mm-hmm, <laughs> this sort of thing. And I just and I thought like why was I so nervous? I was freaking out about this. And then now I feel totally fine. And I had this confidence from from something completely unrelated. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's something else not to forget. A great piece of advice I'd heard from a friend once he, and his teacher told him was, you know, remind yourself that when you go into an audition, you did all the work that you could do. There is no... And even if you didn't practice as much as you wanted to, it was mm-hmm. all you could do for the time that was given for the circumstances don't put a weight on your own shoulder before you go and play in. Tell yourself confidence boosting things and, you know, things that you appreciate about how you prepared and how you're, where you're at in life because like confidence is a mental booster.
3: Yeah. And I'm, mm, I don't want to totally slap a percentage on, but I do think maybe up to 50%, if not more of anxiety is a mental issue. Absolutely. And I'm not trying, I'm not trying to say that like, there's no, physical reaction to it or anything like that at all. Cause I mean, I have my own reactions to it, but I do think it's partly mental, you know, like I, I, my very first audition that I took Mm -hmm. while I was doing the, that crazy arpeggio and Don Juan, my hand literally fell off the fingerboard. <laughs> like, what, what even is that? I don't know. I have no idea. But now, to this day, I'll be playing Don Juan, which you play in every single stinking audition, and it's going fine, and I get to the measure before that run, and it is like a giant mental battle Damn. to not lose it.
1: Thank you. sabotage,
3: sabotage, sabotage, it is a sabotage. And so like, I totally agree with you, Christian, that, um, having confidence even in other areas, but if it's like in other areas of your plane can help you in these situations. I also think that maybe you can't always control life, of course, as in ever, but if other areas of your life are very stress filled, then that is going to affect your plane as well. Yep. And like, well, if you're will, super anxious about like financial stuff, mm-hmm. usually that really comes out for me, at least in auditions, where it's like, hey, if I won this, my financial woes would be solved. But it's another mental thing that I'm adding onto my shoulders. <laughs> yeah, and so well, that's why I say that a lot of it is mental.
2: I will gladly slap a percentage on it for you and say 100% of it is mental because my therapist says, that thoughts come first. You know, she asked me once, she's like, what comes first, Christian? Like thoughts or physical reaction? Totally true. Or like like physical. And I was like, well... And she was like, I'll answer it for you. Research shows. Mm -hmm. And like scientists prove, the thought comes first. It's not that you feel a certain way and then you start thinking a certain way. It's like, no. The littlest of a thought gives birth to a feeling, gives birth to an emotional or physical reaction. It is mental. So I think, you know, upping your mental game and being aware of that, it does alter how you physically react, how much anxiety you'll have. Mm -hmm.
1: I agree with that a hundred percent, but I do, I have to say that, you know, that was exactly the thought though, that was so damaging to me in my hard time because I knew that it was the mental status, but I felt like I was doing everything. Like my life was organized. My apartment was clean. Everything was in order. I'd practiced enough and I was still completely Completely ready going into an audition, falling apart. So I do, I do want to just say that for those right. few people out there that you still have your mental game under control and you feel completely calm walking in and then you fall apart on the stage, it's okay because I needed someone to say that it was okay to me and nobody did. And I felt really judged and horrible. Well, and that's why I'm, that's why I
3: was saying that knowing that it's mental does not take away the physicality exactly. of it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But I do think it can be helpful to know that it is a mental thing. But also, I think that just because we are in the profession we are in, we all have mental issues. (laughs) Like, my God, like, why did we pick this? Like, there's something wrong with us already because we picked this. Yeah. Okay. You guys might totally disagree with me, but I do think it's a career that breeds insecurity. And like, you're constantly questioning yourself.
2: No way. Never, never, never have.
3: Mm -mm. You've never questioned yourself. Well, you are quite, quite the person.
2: (laughs) But I mean, even when you get the the job
3: or the gig that you want, you know, you think like, cool, I've made it. And then you get there and you find out you have 1,000 insecurities that you didn't Mm -hmm. know about yet. Like on top of the 10,000 more others that you already have. So it is hugely mental. It breeds insecurity. We're constantly putting ourselves up there to be, I mean, literally judged on how we play and you're constantly being redirected it's a it's a magical time yeah and by (laughs) no
0: means do am i trying to say that i've figured it all out or that i think i don't think anybody's figured it out i think that's why it's always talked about and it always comes up and everybody is trying to trying to find what works and what have you tried and what what could i try so it's i mean it's really pervasive and it affects musicians you know at the highest level right
3: well, and I think other people in other careers, I'm sure, get extremely nervous Like, because I've heard that getting a job in an orchestra is just as hard as being a starter in the NFL. The stats kind of line up with how many people are trying to get that job or that position and how many people actually do. So, you know, it's like one percent or something. I don't know what it is. The difference with musicians is that what we do requires your fine motor skills as opposed to bigger brute, brute brute strength. Brute strength. So or even like larger muscle groups. Like we require mm-hmm. like these fine, tiny muscles we to be controlled. And yeah. of course, those are the things that when adrenaline hits you or something. <laughs> like The
1: hardest things to control. Those are the most <laughs> impossible oh, parts man. to mm-hmm. control. Wouldn't it be great if you could waltz into an audition and just charge someone with the full force yeah. of body instead? Yeah, like, or be like, oh, I'm going <laughs> to run super <laughs> fast <laughs> now.
0: Right, That's what you're being judged.
3: <laughs>
1: and that adrenaline is going to help uh-huh. me. Because adrenaline helps you do things fast. The cool thing about a profession, even though it seems like a ridiculous choice for our lives, is that we are constantly assessing ourselves and our mental state if we're doing this healthfully. You can see it many performers turn to drugs and drinking and all kinds of other unhealthy things and are not assessing themselves. They're just trying to survive, which you can't blame them for. I'm sure we've all been through survival periods. Like I feel like undergrad is like straight up survival mode. But I think that it's, it's actually awesome. And in, like in a way, we're more advanced mentally because we have to constantly assess ourselves. I think the trick comes in when we're so self-obsessed that we can't get outside of ourselves. And we only think about our our, our problems, our performance, our problems, and we don't see other people. So the ba- the balance is tricky. But I think overall, it is a cool use of life. <laughs> if you do it well.
0: Uh, two thoughts there. <laughs> kind of surprising thing that happened to me at a recent audition was what you're talking about, Anna, is getting sort of getting out of my head. I was taking an audition and the person that came and got me from my practice room and it was leading me to the audition room. We were just like talking in the elevator and I started asking her some questions about what she does and where she works and all this stuff. And sort of the process of getting out of my own head and just asking another person how their day was going was really anxiety squelching. And it was because it, it was less about all myself and what I'm thinking and what, what I'm about to do. And for some reason, and I, I can't say that it's a tried and true practice or something that I recommend doing, but it was something that time got me out of my own head and stopped, stopped this sort of mental uh, cycle of running through Everything that was happening to sort of ask somebody else how they how their day was going. The other thing I thought of was just what you're talking about, how musicians are athletes of the small muscle groups. And there has been a lot of really good research and there are really advanced sports psychologists that have written great books written towards athletes and it makes sense because well there's a lot more money in athletics of course you know and there's you know these athletes that are getting multi-million dollar contracts and they need to perform at their peak performance you know getting nervous you know, in the Olympics, for instance, I can't even imagine how much how ner- how nervous you must get with like standing on a balance beam. That's crazy. I think that they have it way harder in some sense. Can we get Simone Biles on the show, <laughs> right? Can we ask her. I, was, I would, yeah, yeah. I like that. I'm sure. I'm sure she has got some great insight.
3: I don't think she's we, that we busy these days, so we could probably ask. Mm-mm. Yeah, right?
0: she's totally yeah, yeah.
1: free. Totally free.
0: Yeah, there are some great books that I think are worth reading that were originally written for athletes i think the most popular one is have you read uh, the inner game of tennis
1: it's a real popular one and i haven't read all of it still 20 years later
0: <laughs> yeah i think i did the audible trial for that too you can like get a free book if you sign up for audible and we have the link for that in the show notes page which is perservice.co slash 16 so Inner game of tennis is one option i think there's another short one it's called like 10 minute toughness 10 minute mental toughness, something like that. Any, any, Do you guys have any other good recommendations? of?
1: Yeah. War and Peace. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> War that and Peace, the life of an auditioner. <laughs> right? You can auditioner. also get that on nope.
0: Audible Trial slash per service. Audition Success by Don Green, I think, is another option. It's interesting. It's kind of just a, mm-hmm. a collection of interviews with musicians that were auditioning. So I think it's worth uh, investigating some of the, the books and resources that are maybe geared originally for athletes that make a lot of sense for musicians.
1: All right. Well, any closing thoughts? I mean, try all you can. Be mindful. Assess your situation. Do beta blockers if you have to, but do it wisely if you do. Great. Be your own tree. Do you. Do it. do you, man. Mm-hmm. You do you. Practice. <laughs> you
0: do you. You do you.
1: Sad mouth drop <laughs> That was a, a little, little bit like, like text.
0: I think my last thought is that in, in order to sort of keep your confidence going, I think at some point pretty close to the audition, you need to stop getting feedback from people yes. especially if it's
3: mm-hmm. could have a whole episode on that I have so many strong opinions on that I just got really amped up I'm sorry, yeah. sorry I'm because that's something down. because Carry.
0: it's like if the day before you play for somebody and they're like what are you doing you're doing everything wrong you're good the, on the audition day that's all you're pretty much going to be thinking about is I need to be doing all these things differently and I'm not good enough I think at some point you have to just say enough is enough this is where I am I'm gonna go I'm gonna to try to do the best I can and whatever happens happens we
3: need to remember this for a different episode to discuss because i think there's a
0: yeah. lot in that there's a lot here we could probably even have another round of absolutely. this absolutely
1: anxiety round two all right <laughs> but for now anxiety round one is over so
0: nervous about the sign-offs You think we can all right
1: okay. okay all right i can all right, hold on i'm gonna let me let me let me pinch this part of my hand i'm gonna visualize it just more going interesting well it's another thing we didn't touch on We've been doing so well on this, though. So I, I have confidence
3: that we will continue in our ways of success not, in signing off.
2: We've been great since like episode eight.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Michael. See, this is a really great example, though, to our listeners of the mental games that screw you up.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but what
0: if I stumble? I and what
3: if I fall?
0: Oh. What if I, oh, that geez. is. And that's a
3: song.
2: When you said, you were like, you know, just before the audition, you needed to stop, look and listen.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> something <laughs> grabs a hold of me
2: tightly.
0: Uh, All right. Exactly.
3: I've been Michael O'Giblin. I'm Anna Luz. And I'm Jessica Weirsma.
2: Actually, you just say I'm Jessica Wearsma yeah. And I'm Jessica. You
3: don't want me to say and? Because Christian no. has Cause to. He has to say I was trying to be a musician yeah, and go with the way the
1: spirit was leading me. And I was also, just Also, I said out.
0: I've been, I guess. Let's try it again. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Michael Giblin.
1: I'm Anna Luce.
3: I'm Jessica Wearsma. And I'm Christian Marshall.
2: Oh
0: boy, we'll figure out those sign-offs one of these days. But that is our show, folks. Thanks again so much for listening. Perservice.co slash 16, like the number, is where you'll find the links to the articles on those books that we mentioned. And you can keep up with us during the week on Instagram. We are at Perservice Podcasts. And this is one of our primary forms of communication. So if you have a question you'd like to ask us, just send us a message. We'd honestly just love to hear from you. And if you've been enjoying the show, please, please take a minute and leave us a review or rating in itunes it just helps other musicians find our show and we'd like to give a special thanks to anonymous and kathleen lovengood for supporting our show on patreon really anonymous whoever you are we appreciate it so join us again in two weeks as we zoom out and look at anxiety and fear in our careers until then believe in yourself be well and practice well